our brother. We actually, uh, we've talked a couple of times on the phone and such, but uh, just to get to know him, he was able to bring his wife at least for a little while. She's leaving on Tuesday. But just to be with our brother, he's been an evangelist for a long time, missionary in China, and uh, we're just really blessed. I've heard great things about his ministry. And then just last week, I found out he can sing every genre of music. Like everything from country to heavy metal, from opera to hip-hop. I mean, everything. He covers it all. And so he's also going to do special music every service for us. And we're going to look forward to that. And so let's give our brother just excellent ministry a warm welcome. Brother Patrick Johnson. Praise God. Thank you so much for inviting me. Amen. Allow me to come. I'm so grateful that your pastor would invite me. Amen. And believe God this week for a tremendous week. And can you, I love this thing here. Can I get a little bit more? I just, is it all right if I touch it? I was telling your pastor this morning, this is like awesome. I'd like to take that with me wherever I go. And so praise God this morning. Let's get started here. I've I was having a couple technical difficulties, but you guys have some real technologically advanced young men. And so that helps a brother out. Hopefully this. Hallelujah. Every time I try to make it on my own. Every time I try to stand and start to fall And all those lonely roads that I had traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground When the friends I had were nowhere to be found And I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now. There was Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and my hurting. Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it or couldn't see it, there was Jesus. For this man who needs amazing kind of grace, for forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay. And I'm not perfect, so I thank God every day. There was Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and my hurting. Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it, I couldn't see it. 
There was Jesus on the mountain in the valley. In the shadow, in the alley. In the fire, in the flood. There is, is, and always was. you like that one hopefully this week we can have some other ones that you'll like and so again what a joy not only to be here with you in beautiful rochester new york but to be in god's house uh, this morning can somebody say amen our world is getting crazier our world is going insane and the best place to be the hour that we are living in is to be in the house of God. I want to quickly minister this morning a message I've entitled, Thank God the Tomb is Empty. Thank God the Tomb is Empty. And you'll realize why I said that in a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 17. The Bible says... And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith has nothing to it. You are still guilty of your sins. And those in Christ who have already died are lost. Oh, come on somebody. Verse 19, if our hope in Christ is for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone else in the world. We, let me put it in another way. If our hope in Jesus is for this life only, we are the most pitiful people on planet earth. Let me pray this morning, Lord. We come in the name of Jesus because there is no other name that we can come to you, Lord God, to ask you to help us this morning to speak to us. Father, there are things that you already want to do in this service. Lord, I'm just asking you, help me to line up, oh God, with all that you want to do, God. I pray, speak to every heart this morning, God, by the blood of Jesus and in his wonderful name. We ask all these things and all God's people said with a shout, Amen. Oh, I'm sorry. I got to open one of these bottles of water. Someone recently gave me a great revelation that I had not known for many years. 
And that is the reason why preachers drink water. I always thought preachers drank water because they were thirsty. But I found out that one of the reasons why preachers drink water is to give people time to get their amens ready. You didn't see, I, you didn't know that either, did you? Look at it, it works every time. I don't even know how that happened, but it works. When my family and I were in China, we've been back now for about two years. We were there from 2016 to 2020. And when we were there in China, we had a weekend where it was a holiday. It was during what they called the Chinese festival. And during the Chinese festival, our church literally, it doesn't, we don't shut down the church, but we kind of shut down the church for about a month because everybody leaves the whole nation. It is the greatest mass migration of human beings every year in the world. It's like 50 million people going different places. And so during one of these holidays, the folks in our church that stayed behind said, Pastor, we want to take you to see Sicha Mountain. I said, okay, I I mean, you know, I like mountains. I'll go see the mountain. They said, no, pastor, we want to take you to go see the mountain. I'm like, what are y'all talking about? They said, we'll tell you when we get there. What they were hiding is to see Sichar Mountain is a three-hour march straight up a mountain. So we go to Sichar Mountain and we start walking. They finally tell me, pastor, we're going to walk. We're going to climb the mountain. If they would have told me we're going to go climb the mountain, I would have said, let's go get some noodles. But that's another sermon. We get to Sichar Mountain and we walk three hours, two or three hours straight uphill to get to the top of this mountain. By the time you get up there, you need a nap. When we get to the top of the mountain... Sitting at the top of the mountain was a statue of the biggest Buddha I had ever seen in my life. I actually got a picture of it for you. I want to, I want you to see it if they can put that picture up there. It is a statue. It is a Buddhist statue. This thing is, I don't even know how big it is, but it's, it's a gigantic, I'm stalling while they put the picture. It is so big. It is big and very big. Bigger than big, big. I mean, it's just, just, it's just (laughs) statue picture. Huh? Well, there was a picture of a statue. And so we get to there and I'm looking at this, this statue. Come on, somebody. I knew that brother had the power in him. I just, I knew he did. And so think about this with me. Think about this with me. We get, it took us three hours just to get up the mountain. We get to the foot of this thing and they say, okay, pastor, now we're going to climb the stairs. I said, the devil is a lie. I didn't walk for three and a half hours. I'm not climbing nothing else. And so I'm down at the bottom of this thing and I'm looking at it and The majority of those people that are going up there, they're going up there to pray. Now, there were a number of people like me and my wife, and we went there as tourists just to go see the thing. But a number of those people 
were going up there to cry out to this hunk of rock in the hope of getting some help and some deliverance. Down on the bottom were a number of priests and they're in their their priest outfits and people were bringing them fruit and all. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, what a sad situation. That there would be people who are desperate and hurting and broken. Some of them have addictions and some of them have marriage problems and some of them have family issues and all kinds of things. And they're going and they're praying to a statue that every once in a while somebody has to climb up there and knock off the bird poop. Come on somebody. You can't be a god if somebody got... But as I'm looking at this, what came into my heart was how pitiful of a sight it was. Can I tell you this morning, in our text, Paul says, listen, if Jesus is still in the grave, we are just as pitiful. Oh, somebody help me this morning. Paul is saying to you and I, listen. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, then all of our efforts and all of our prayers and all that we have done and all that we've given ourselves, it was for absolutely nothing. He said, listen, if Jesus is still in the tomb, then we are the most pitiful. We are worse. Why? Would Paul make this statement? Why would he say, if Jesus is still in the grave, if he's still dead, if he did not rise from the grave, we are the most pitiful. Why would he say that? The first thing that came into my mind is the fact that as a child of God, we have no plan B. What do you mean, preacher? Thank you for asking. I wanted to tell you really bad. From time to time, I get to go to Malaysia. One of my close friends is in Malaysia. He over there. He's a, all my friends are. I got lots of friends in Malaysia. And so I recently went to Malaysia while we were in China. Went to Malaysia for the Malaysia rally. Pastor Campbell, my pastor, was there, and a number of other pastors were there, and they all got together and they said, "Hey, we're going to the Batu Caves. Do you want to go?" I said, "No." The Batu Caves is a a cave, I think it's a cave. Inside of the caves are millions of gods, of these Hindu gods. They go in there and I don't need to see all them rocks and things and and, and getting demons. No, I'm not interested. But you know, why the Hindus... Think about this. They have over a million God. That's a lot of options. Come on, somebody. In other words, if today the sun God is not doing it right, you fire him and go worship the moon God. If the moon God is acting up or if the God of the fields is acting up or the God of the ocean is acting up and they can go from God to God. To, they got so many options. They got plan A, B, C, D, E, F and on and on and on. 
We don't have that. When I was in China, they say China is a communist or uh, a atheist nation. That is not true. China, there's a lots and lots of gods in China. Or at least they worship lots of things. Right across from our church was a was an ancient Chinese temple. Inside of that temple you could go, it was a tourist attraction. But inside of that temple were all these statues of old generals. And they have now turned them into gods. While we were in there, there were people kneeling and praying. And giving offerings to these things. Not only that, many of them worship Buddha. Most Chinese people worship the ancestors from time to time once a year they go to the grave of their ancestors and they'll pray it's called tombstone listen they've got plan a b if the ancestors aren't doing right i'll go talk to buddha if buddha's tripping i'll go talk to the general and if the general is acting up i go talk to that little cat that sits in the window that's a lucky cat god what paul is saying is listen Unlike so many of the religions of our world, the child of God has no plan B. We are not looking somewhere else. Oh, church, all of our hope, all of our faith, all of our trust is in the fact that the tomb is empty. Everything, listen, for the last 25 years of my life, everything I've done is because I fully believe the tomb is empty. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. The only way to the Father is through me. Again, in the book of John chapter 6, we know the story when Jesus preached that wonderful sermon where he says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part with me. The Bible says when Jesus said that, a lot of his disciples decided, we don't like that sermon. We came here for fish and bread. If you ain't got no fish and no bread, we are leaving. The Bible says a great deal of his disciples left, turned and walked. Away. Jesus turned to the twelve. He says, you, do you also want to leave? And Peter makes a statement that at some point in your life, you have to reconcile with He turned to Jesus. He said, where can we go? Come on, somebody. Where can I go and find what I found in Jesus? On February the 11th, 1997, I was a broken, hopeless, suicidal, violent, angry, depressed soldier. I walked into a church. Someone told me about the love of God. I came down to an altar. I said, God, if you are real, please help me. And in that moment, in that day, Jesus Christ set me free. What I found in Jesus that day is unlike anything I could have found in the world. I agree 100% with Peter. There is absolutely nowhere that I can go and find what I found in Jesus and so if Jesus is still in the tomb I'm in a lot of trouble oh somebody help me this if Jesus is still in the tomb 
we're all in a lot of trouble. Listen, if Jesus is still in the tomb, we are all spiritually bankrupt. Many years ago, during the Civil War, I want you to think about this thought with me. During the Civil War, the soldiers of the South were being paid with Confederate currency. Because the Confederacy thought that they were going to win the war, they came, I did not ask you nothing, Siri, I'm preaching. They, they, she's also listening, she's going to get saved in a minute. And so, the Confederacy thought they were going to win. And so because of that, they started printing their own currency and they begin to pay their soldiers with their own currency. There's actually, a, uh, he's shaking his head. We, we good? We good? Okay. Ooh, go ahead, man. I want to show you. You got to show folks pictures so that, you know what I'm saying? They can, and so they, that, that's a, that's a Confederate $2. Confer- they were paying their soldiers with this money. Now that was all well and good. Until the war ended and they lost. And that money wasn't even worth the paper it was printed. I want you to think about this. Many of those men left everything because they, of, it was a cause they believed in. We're not, we're not debating right or wrong reason. We're just talking about the, the, what happened. Many of those men left homes and families and ranches and farms. And many of those men sacrificed unbelievably. Many of those men were injured and hurt to where they were never going to be able to work again. They were never going to be able to function normally again. Many of those men paid the ultimate sacrifice. And when it was all said and done, that's what they had. To show for it. This paper. That when the war was over. Had no value. Church. If Jesus is still in the tomb. This paper. Has no value. If Jesus. Did not raise from the grave. Then all of your sacrifice was for nothing. If Jesus is still in the tomb. Then all that you've suffered. I wonder how many here have lost family members. Because you chose to serve God. I wonder how many here you've lost relationships. Financial opportunities that you'll never get again. How many here, you made decisions for God that when you made those decisions, people looked at you and said, what is wrong with you? You... I remember when I got out of the army, I was, I had a plan when I met my, I had no plan before I met my wife and y'all don't tell her this story. This story is for us. Okay. I had no plan. I was just, I was just drifting on the wind. I was in the music studios. I was trying to be a, a reggae superstar. You know, I, I sing reggae. I could do the thing. And I had the dreadlock. You know, all that stuff. I had no plan. Yaman. Then I met my wife. And she was studying to be a doctor. And I thought, ooh, I got a plan now. 
you're going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a bum. <laughs> I'm going to buy me a boat and I'm going to catch every fish in the ocean while you make all the money. That's a good plan. So we were going to stay in the army. I was going to put her through school while I was in the army. She was going to be a doctor. Once she became a doctor, started making lots of money, I was going to buy me a boat and a truck to pull it. That's as far in the song as I'm going to go. And then God stepped in and said, no, I've called you to preach. Give it all up. So we did. 21 years old, gave it all up. Church, if Jesus is still in the grave, that was all for nothing. My wife and I were in China when her grandmother died. My grandmother died. Couldn't come back. Couldn't, nothing. It was, it would have been all for nothing. Completely back. I was in a bank a couple of days ago. Older gentleman walks in the bank and one of the bank clerks met him at the door. I think he knew the situation. He met him at the door and he immediately began to talk to him. And I could see this bank clerk shaking his head saying, no, 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 no. And this older gentleman, he's he's trying to debate. And the clerk is saying, listen, no, you cannot do this. And when the man walked out, I went to the clerk. I said, what what was that all about? Because it was just abnormal in a bank. And the clerk dropped his head. He said, well, he's been scammed several times. These criminals send him a check. And they tell him, listen, this money is yours, but in order to release the money, you've got to send us this. And he's been ripped off already a couple times, and they're trying to do it again. And he said it was all a scam. Church, if Jesus is still in the grave, this has all been a scam. If Jesus did not rise from the dead... This has all been a scam and we're all in a lot of trouble. But the worst of it, beloved, is Paul said that our sins are not forgiven. Our sins are not forgiven. Revelations chapter 20 verse 10, the Bible says the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophets are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the works uh, by the things which were written in the books. Uh, and anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life uh, was thrown into the lake of fire. Church. If Jesus didn't raise from the grave, then you and I are just as guilty as the devil. All those who reject the Lord or whose name is not in the book are going to go to the same lake as the devil. Can you fathom that? He said the devil and the false prophet, they were thrown into the lake of fire. And all those whose names were not found were thrown into the same. I heard a story about a a guy who went to visit some family members. He's just visiting. 
He's just visiting. The problem is he didn't realize that the day he chose to visit was the day that the FBI had chosen to raid that house because it was a drug house. And so he's just there. He's come from out of town and he said, man, I'm going to go visit my family. I'm going to go visit my cousin. He's in the house and the raid happens and everybody gets arrested and he's screaming, I'm just visiting. And they're going, sure. Yeah, you're just, vi- I'm innocent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were here. You're guilty by association. If Jesus is still in the grave, because of what Adam did, we're all guilty by association. But oh, beloved, can I tell you, Jesus is not in the grave. Hold on, I'm going to run up here real quick. I'm going to drink some water and I'm going to come right back here. Because I'm done. I'm already done. But I, I, I got to drink a little of this water. Get you. Just. I'm telling you, that's a supernatural thing. I don't even know how it works. But I recently saw this thing that where they were talking about Muhammad's grave. And, and if you, I don't know why you would, but if you went to visit Muhammad's grave, it's kind of like a cultural thing. You know, you went to visit Muhammad's grave, you can only get so close because the man's bones are still in there. And if, you know, they know that there's crazy people out there that think if they take his bones and rub it on themselves, they, they could become Superman. I don't know. You know, there's folks out there, you know what I'm saying? And so his, his tomb have to have guards. And, and if you know anything about them brothers over there, they have this gun called an AK-47 that they kind of like. And so if you go to the tomb, not only are there guards, but there are guards with guns. You can only get so close. Because he's still in there. You can go to the tomb of Jesus Christ. Now, I've never been there, so I don't know if they got guards, but if they got guards, I don't know what they're guarding, because there is nothing in that tomb. If you're one of them crazy people that want to go in there and take Jesus' bones and sell it on eBay, you're out of luck, because his bones are not in there. If you go to the tomb of the Lord, you can look all in there. You can look up, you can look down, and I thank God this morning that the tomb is empty, because the tomb is empty. We are not the most pitiful people on planet earth because the tomb is empty we are the most blessed people in the universe hallelujah doesn't matter what you're going through this morning it doesn't matter what struggles are in your life it doesn't matter this morning if every day seems like a dark day if you are a child of God then you are more blessed than the majority of the earth because my Bible says one day the trumpet is going to sound one day my Lord and my God he's going to step back out of eternity step back into time and from that day forward We're going to live like we've never lived before. Somebody wrote a book about your best life now. This can't possibly be our best life now. Not even close. Jesus is not, you know what that means. And I'm closing. I'm almost done. I got a little timer on my iPad that tells me it's time to be quiet and pray for somebody. It means... That everything written in this book is true.
Every promise is available. Let me, let me just give you one example. Best example. The best example is the story of a man named Mephibosheth. And I actually have a whole sermon about Mephibosheth. I'm, I almost preached it this morning, but that's not what the Lord wanted me to minister. And so Mephibosheth, if you know the story, was a crippled orphan living in, in Lodibar. Lodibar is the city where broken, hurting people lived. Lodibar is where you lived if you had nothing and had nobody. Lodibar was where you lived if you were a castaway of society. The Bible says he's in Lodibar. And one day he gets a message from the king that says the king wants to see you. Listen, the only reason you're here this morning is because one day the king decided he wanted to see you. You couldn't get here without the king wanting to see you. You didn't find Jesus on your own. Jesus found you and brought you to himself. And the Bible says David took Mephibosheth, and it's a whole sermon. I won't get into it too much. I might preach it this week. You never know. Brought Mephibosheth, and he said, Mephibosheth, as of this day forward, you're going to eat bread at my table like one of the king's sons. He took him from homeless, peopleless, familyless, cast off, broken, and made him a child of the king. Can you imagine somebody who knew Mephibosheth and Lodibar? Pick picture, 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 because I want y'all to get this. Maybe there was a merchant. Maybe there was a merchant. He sold, you know, he sold chicken. Who knows? And so he down in Lodibar selling his chicken and he sees Mephibosheth sitting out there all broken and you know what I'm saying all messed up. He's like, look at you, you, you used to be somebody. Now you just, bah, whatever. You know what I'm saying? He kind of disses him because Mephibosheth is, you know what I'm saying? A few months go by and that same merchant comes to David's castle to sell chicken. And he walks in and sees not Mephibosheth, the broken, Mephibosheth, the king's sons. Come on, somebody, y'all got to. He would have looked at him. What, what, what? Are you? What? <laughs> have you ever ran into somebody that knew you back when you were crazy? <laughs> have you ever run in? And they're going, there's something different. Yeah, I was crazy. Now I'm a king's kid. David said, Mephibosheth, the king's table, anything on the king's table is yours. There's healing on the table. There's deliverance on the table. There's joy on the table. There's peace on the table. There's freedom on the table. And I could go on and on because Jesus got up on the third day. Imagine the devil. I'm sure the devil thought he won. There's this thing called um, celebrating too early. I saw a, a clip the other day where this guy was in a bicycle race and he thought he won the race. He got right to the finish line. He threw both hands in the air because he thought he won. But he threw in his hands a little too hard and he flipped the bicycle over backwards at the finish line. And a whole bunch of other guys flew past him. 
I'm sure that's what the devil was doing. When he saw Jesus, the Son of God, expire. Devil, yes! Finally we got him! And he's down there in hell, sitting on a crate. He, he don't have a throne, he got a milk crate. He down there sitting on a milk crate, sipping on lava, because I don't know what they drink down there. And on the third day, on the third day, when they saw that glorious, magnificent light, and he says, devil, I, I, you got something that belongs to me. What is that? The keys. What keys? Every key. The key to death and healing. And I could go on. Let me, let me close. Let me close. Thank God Jesus is alive. Come on, help me. Thank God this morning. Thank you, Lord. There, there was a, I close. There was a group of men that went to a, a museum. They went to see young men. These were athletes and stars. They went to see this museum. And while they were in the museum, they came across a painting. And the title of the painting was Checkmate. And so they're standing there looking at this painting and they stared at it for a while and then they kind of moved on. But there was one young man that wouldn't leave the painting. He, he kept on staring at it, kept on looking at it. And finally, the proprietor, the man who was in charge of the tour, he realized that this young man was not moving. He came to him and he said, young man, what's the problem? And the young man says, well, I'm a grandmaster chess player. This is what I do for a living. I'm, I'm a chess player. He said, I'm looking at this table. I'm looking at this painting. He said, they're either going to have to change the name of the painting or they're going to have to change the entire painting. The man's looking at it. We multi-million dollar painting. What are you talking about? He said, well, the painting's wrong. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, as I said, I'm a, I'm a grandmaster chess player. He said, but it's not checkmate. In the painting, the devil's laughing because it looks like he's getting ready to checkmate the young man. The young man looks dejected, looks depressed. And the, the, the young man who was standing there, he said, it can't be checkmate. Because the king still has one more move. Hallelujah. He said, as long as the king's got one more move. It could never, I'm sure that the devil was sitting there thinking, checkmate. And then the stone rolled away. Because the king still had one more move. And that one more move was to raise our God, our king, our savior, our redeemer, our Lord from the grave. And because he rose again, because he rose again. We are not the most pitiful. We are the most blessed people in the universe. Bow your heads with me this morning. Heads about Isaac. Thank God. The tomb is empty. Thank God this morning. The tomb is empty. Quickly this morning before we. Close our service. You're here. You're not right with God. Your sins are not forgiven. You don't, you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 
As I said this morning, Jesus died for you. He suffered unbelievably, suffered unimaginably for you and I. That thought about the lake of fire, just that scripture, all those whose names were not found in the book of life. Let me ask you this morning, is your name in the book of life? Another way of saying that is, are you forgiven? Are you forgiven? You stood before the Lord this morning and he opened the books. Are you forgiven? If you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, if you've never asked him to come into your heart to be the Savior and the Lord of your life, then you are not forgiven. And as you sit here right now, there is unimaginable judgment pending against your life but I say it again God loves you Jesus Christ loves you he loved you to to the point of death gave his life so that you can be forgiven and before we close this morning I would love to pray with you I'd love to pray for you believe God to do the miracle in your life that Jesus did in my life this morning you can be forgiven is there anyone here this morning say pastor I want to be forgiven my name is not in the book of life there's things that I've done there's things that I'm doing that I know is not right with God would you pray for me listen your pastor and I would count it such a joy such an honor if you would let us pray with you pray for you do something for me no one's looking around it's between you and the Lord you say pastor I'm not forgiven but I want to be I'm not right but I want to be Slip your hand up quickly. Lift it up and hold it. We'll pray together. We'll pray for you. I said, Pastor, I'm not right, but I want to be. I'm not saved. I'm not forgiven. Maybe you're here this morning. You're backslidden. At, at one time you were living for the Lord. At one time you were serving God. But as you sit here this morning, you'll be honest. Say, Pastor, I've gone back to things. I went back to things that I once thought I'd never go back to. I, I want to get right. I need to get right. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Lift it up this morning. We'll pray together. We'll pray together. Amen. Heads about eyes are Church, we live in an hour where it's becoming more and more unpopular to be a Christian. I saw just researching for some for a sermon and different thing. I saw recently two people playing soccer with the Bible in the middle of the street. They're kicking it all over the place. And a Muslim man actually said, that is so wrong. A Muslim man. He said, if you did that to the Quran, you would be canceled. You would be destroyed. And yet you could do that in the streets of America. Kick the Bible. And people surround you and videotape it and laugh. We're Christians are being blamed for all kinds of insane things because we have the audacity to call right, right and wrong, wrong. It's becoming more and more unpopular to be a child of God. They think we are the most pitiful. Oh no, they're wrong. Maybe in this life it's unpopular. Maybe in this life we're the most pitiful. Oh, we're not living for this life. We're not living for this life. As one man said, 
If I find nothing in this life that can ever fully satisfy it, it must be because I was made for another life. If you're a child of God this morning, you are not the most pitiful. You are the most blessed and you ought to rejoice in the fact Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Would you stand with me this morning? Listen, we're going to open the altars for a time of prayer. Even if all you're going to do is come this morning and say, thank God the tomb is empty. Would you come and help me pray this morning? Come and help me pray this morning. Come and help me cry out to him. Come and help me say thank you, thank you, Lord. So grateful, Jesus. Oh, I'm so grateful, God. Crowds of people and the priests who sing your praise. A hunger and a thirst for your righteousness. Thank you. Strengthen them, Lord. Cause her to rejoice, God, in what you are doing. Father, we thank you, Lord. Take me past the outer courts. Into the holy place. God, we pray. Sing it with me. Would you stand and help us sing this morning?